The Athletic. So what is the coaching philosophy of Maurizio Pochettino and is it what Chelsea need? And why wasn't he considered at his old club, Tottenham? Where are they now in their search for a new manager with Julian Nagelsmann also out of the running? I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. Change always is painful, but you need, when you arrive at a new club, you need to make some changes to start to build where the player can feel comfortable and can improve. It's so important. We're joined for this one by the Athletics' Jack Pitt-Brook and Simon Johnson. Before we hear them, though, here is the Athletics' David Ornstein, with all the details of Maurizio Pochettino agreeing terms to be Chelsea boss. Yeah, thanks, Mark. We've reported on Saturday that Chelsea have now reached an agreement on terms with Maurizio Pochettino to become their new permanent head coach, starting formally in the summer, with the details of his appointment to be finalised in the coming days. Well, we are now in those days, and as far as I know, it's simply a case of finishing off the paperwork and making an actual announcement. Pochettino's backroom staff will comprise Jesus Perez, Miguel D'Agostino, his son Sebastian Pochettino, Tony Jimenez and also some club staff. They'll get long-term contracts. Reports have suggested three years. Many are asking why Pochettino is not taking position immediately. Well, I think there was a desire on all sides for a clean break, for a fresh start going into next season. There wouldn't be much time for Pochettino to get to know the players and work with them. They've got matches against Manchester City, Manchester United, Newcastle, United. Perhaps it's better to watch from afar. I don't think he'll be in the stadiums, partly because that may cast a shadow over the occasions and also Frank Lampard, who's leading the team on an interim basis. Maurizio Pochettino and his staff will collaborate with Lampard in the weeks ahead and also Chelsea's co-sporting directors, Lawrence Stewart and Paul Wynn Stanley. They're going to look at building or rebuilding the squad on recruitment and so much more besides. The Todd Bowley and Clear Lake Capital ownership really cannot afford to get this wrong. They took six weeks. They wanted to learn from their mistakes where they went from Thomas Tuchel to Graham Potter in the space of about 12 hours. They conducted due diligence, a proper, thorough exhaustive comprehensive process with talks negotiations recommendations from Stuart and Win Stanley to the owners Todd Bowley and Bedad Ekbali that have finally brought them to Maurizio Pochettino and Chelsea will hope that it's the start of better times ahead. So there are all the details from David. Why has this taken so long, Simon? I think it, it was understandable from both sides. Um, Chelsea all along sort of stressed, even when he clearly emerged as the number one contender, um, that they want this to be an exhaustive process. It's not as if he was taking over now. But I think there's a lot of things to, to have been discussed on Pochettino's side to make sure how much say he has that it is the right fit, he's, he's fully aware that the new owners like a collaborative approach. Some people might think that perhaps they collaborate or want collaboration too much, which is one of the reasons Thomas Tuchel didn't fancy being around anymore, wasn't that disappointed despite his uh, 
claims of shock that he was dismissed back in September. So I think Pochettino sort of wanted to make sure that this is going to be the right fit for him. There's been a lot of uh, smoozing, I think, in, in both where he lives in Spain and, and, and in England. And what was the rush, really? I think length of contract is also part of it because Chelsea have are going to give him a three-year contract rather than the five years that, that, that Graham Potter received. Or nine years that some players may receive. <laughs> so, so, yeah, he's been, he's been stitched up there, hasn't he? Um, but well, it just shows that he's once again player power, right? He's, uh, he's number one in football. But no, in all seriousness, I, I just think it's one of those that the last few weeks that both sides wanted to make sure this was the right fit. And But all along, it's been a case of, um, uh, of when, not if. Jack, do you think he will have been, Pochettino will have been particularly pushing for, wanting, demanding? I think it comes down to this uh, word alignment, which you hear a lot in football. Uh, I think Pochettino would want to know that him and Chelsea were on the same page. I mean, clearly... PSG was a very, very strange experience. Not a totally negative experience, but one where I think he got there and he realised, oh, wow, I actually have a lot less power than I certainly than he did at Tottenham. Of course, he would have known that going in, but I think when he actually got there, he, it would have been a bit of a realisation moment for him. So I think he'd want to know that he... It's, it's not about... De- I wouldn't say it's about demanding total power because, of course, that's not how it works. And, you know, Chelsea have got lots of other people... In, you know, got sporting directors coming out their ears uh, who've got, as well as the owners who have the same po- club policy as well. But I think it's just wanting to know that they were on the same page, particularly with things, particularly with things like re- recruitment. And that's not just ins, that's outs as well. You know, Pochettino clearly is, you know, they have far, far too many players at the moment to be workable. I think Pochettino will, would want to know that he, his vision would be backed when it comes to outs as well as ins, as well as his capacity to to kind of set the culture and set the ethos. Again, if you look back at PSG, it was impossible to him set, to set any sort of ethos. How can you set an ethos when you've got Neymar and Mbappe and then Messi joined when he'd be, when Pochettino had been there for six months? It was impossible for him to get any kind of grip on the situation there. So I think ultimately it will come down to him wanting to know that he, he can make an impression there. He can, he can kind of mould Chelsea a bit um, as he wants to. On the outs, because I do think the outs are interesting, Simon, who is going to have the final say on the outs? Because there there may be players at the moment expecting to be on their way who he might want to keep. They may have bought... I I mean, it's quite feasible that they've bought players in the last year that Pochettino might not fancy. Where are the final says and where are the compromises, do you think? It's a very good question. I think the final say, though will ultimately lie with the, the co-owners, of course, and um, as has been the case all along. I know that they've, they're have they trying to take a backward step and allow this new new structure that they're putting in place to take more, more control. The constant sort of guidance um, you're hearing is, oh, you know, Lawrence Stewart, Paul Winstanley, um, they're very much, for example, this managerial process, they're very much sort of front and centre and the co-owners are sort of just supporting them in the background. I think you'd be very naive to think that they're just suddenly in America, sort of enjoying America and all it has to offer. They're obviously going to have a big input and the financial fair play situation is very much in their minds, despite sort of any kind of calm assurance that it's all under control. 
in terms of what players go, I think this is a, this is it's all very well wanting players to go, but if everyone in the game knows that that's the situation, you're going to find it hard to get the deal you want, right? Especially with June the thirtieth in their mind, which is what when they want deals to be done, some deals they want done by. Given that deadline, I mean, it, take, it takes it down a slightly different road. This as well, time is of the essence here, actually. So, are you surprised that? He's not started already, and maybe that maybe that might be naive. Maybe he has started in the background. I don't know. During the, the negotiations, for example, that he has already been talking about players he wants and players he wants to keep. But it's one thing him saying this is another thing getting what he wants. But I'm sure, going back to the original question about why has this taken so long, I'm sure that's part of been part of the reason as well. Him sort of discussing these kind of things. One of the issues he's going to face is even even players that Chelsea want to keep, they may want to leave. It's been that kind of mess of a season. I, I've been told there've been players that have that have signed in the last twelve months that are already sort of thinking, "What am I doing here? This is not what I was pitched." From the get go, this is a huge man management job, and that's why I think the next few weeks are massive for for Pochettino from the get go. I'm sure. I haven't been told this, but it goes without saying, I'm sure he plans to meet with players and to talk to them and and gauge how they're feeling, what they want to do. But there's also some players that inevitably have to leave, ones that have got one year left on their contract that that Chelsea don't intend to to extend, possibly some with two years left on their contract. But again, I go back to what I was saying, whether Chelsea get the price they're looking for and this is this might be a wake up call. This window, last window, the last two windows have been what Chelsea have been able to bring in. They haven't really had to worry about the outs very much, and what business that the realities of what that business entails. And if clubs know they've got to level with the thirty first, they're not going to be thinking of the June the thirtieth deadline for them. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Knowing how Pochettino works and knowing his philosophies, I suppose, want of a better word, Jack, are you surprised he hasn't started already? I don't think start dates matter that much in football, ultimately. You know, you often see it, particularly with sort of off-pitch jobs, you know, like director of football type jobs. It's incredibly common for managers to have, or sorry, for people to come into jobs like that with a start date. And everyone, it's an open secret in football that they're working before the before their official start date. Without knowing specifically what conversations are going on, I think it's very, very safe to assume that conversations will be happening. I mean... I, between now and the uh, deadline that Simon mentioned, thirtieth of June, um, so I'm sure that I'm sure that those conversations will be happening about ins and outs between now and then. I said philosophy there. I mean, you you wrote about this a couple of years ago. How would you define it? So I think there's a few things that make up the kind of the philosophy of Pochettino and his staff. Um, the first is their their view of football, uh, which is what they call the positional game, which is to do with dominating the opposition through your positions on the pitch. You know, having a structured system when you're in possession, 
so that you can you know get overloads in key areas it's very it's quite rigid it needs an awful lot of coaching it's not that dissimilar to how Manchester City play or how Arsenal play frankly that's the, at the kind of front and center of it I know and, and also attached to that is if you're in the right structure when you're in possession that's how you can press effectively because as soon as you lose the ball your players in the right place and you can win it back quickly you defend the way you attack is how they put it so there's that the second is a huge commitment to improving individual players on the on the training pitch you know Pochino very much sees himself as a coach he's got a team around him of coaches who've worked with him his entire career and everything is geared towards how can we make every every player better every day whether that's physical mental technical all the rest of it and that's why they're so committed to fitness and running and trying to get the players fit and in shape and diet and monitoring their saliva and gym work double sessions all that no days off all that stuff it's down to how can we make the players better and I'm sure on an individual level we'll see lots of these Chelsea players transform and the third thing is really more to do with the connection with the squad you know it's sort it's really a big like Simon said it's a big man management job squad management job you know clearly you know you can look at Chelsea there's clearly no sort of ethos there no culture no no unity between the players I don't think the players look especially they don't look motivated they don't look loyal to each other loyal to the fans loyal to the club all that stuff so he's going to have to and this is really the thing that's going to come first is going to be reconnecting the Chelsea players with each other getting them to believe in Pochettino and his ideas getting them to get you know to want to play for Chelsea again and to perform for the fans so that is a huge kind of like emotional squad management person you know personality driven aspect as well which will which I think will be the first and most important part of the whole process you've also written recently the past week about the saying he has when a player signs a contract they need to understand they do not sign a contract to play games you sign a contract to train and then you wait for the manager to pick the team which is a great saying it keeps coming back to this point though Simon all of that's fantastic all of that's brilliant if you have a squad of 20 right or, or you know I don't know what I don't know what his optimum Guardiola likes working with 20 doesn't he or 18 20 something. I don't know what Pochettino's optimum number is but that's brilliant if you've got 20 I mean part of the reason Chelsea squad isn't connected with each other is you know they some of them might not even meet for a few days there are so many of them yeah I mean I've I've uh, when when I wrote the, a piece with Lee and Toomey recently about the mood dressing room one of the uh, one of the, one of my sources talked about how players would sort of arrive at the same time together but but not sort of see each other in natural training because they're in different parts of the pitch and then the next day it would change all over again they're working with someone else and that, that that's been coming across loud and clear on the pitch um and no team, I don't think, has made more changes game per game either. And part of that is is to try and keep people happy. But no, it's it's going to be a really tough job for Chelsea to to get this squad down. Um, they also want, obviously, and Pochettino will be part of this too. Is they they want players to come in um, in some key positions because bizarrely, when you spend over five hundred billion pounds, you still have holes in your team in some some key areas where because because there'll be people listening to this who don't watch Chelsea for 90 minutes week in week out they might them. Catch the, yeah well they might catch they might catch the highlights which may be short they might catch they might catch the odd the odd goal they will have seen everybody that's been signed virtually in every position I mean players have been signed in virtually every position by this regime I think bar goalkeeper maybe goalkeeper yeah 
and a goalkeeper, goalkeeper and goalkeeper and maybe a right maybe right a right back hasn't been signed under this a right back oh no they haven't yeah. they have signed yeah, a right he, back he, haven't they yeah he'll be coming uh, in Leon yeah right so where are they where are the gaps because that's how, I, mean, I mean to those as I say to those who don't watch Chelsea week in week out that sounds that sounds utterly ridiculous oh I mean it is yeah, I mean it, it, it totally is I mean they signed a striker but Asterix you, you have to say with with Aubameyang and David Dutra Fafana uh, Bamiang was a panic buy on deadline day when they couldn't get sort of a top centre forward that they really wanted really sort of a young youthful one and, and Tuchel was the one that pushed that move and of course has been well documented that that hasn't worked Dacia Vafana in January was, was is very much for the future he made a rare sort of appearance as it were on the bench on Saturday um, but he's barely been involved since he arrived so striker is is a key position. I mean, they've got Nkunku coming in, of course, um, but he's not really an out-and-out out number nine. The question is, Lukaku, could they save themselves sort of a few pennies by actually reintegrating him in the team? But I think Pochettino is going to have a big say on that. Midfield, Kovacic is more than likely to go. They, they clearly need a, a strong partner next to Enzo Fernandez to get the best out of him. And goalkeeper. Goalkeeper is, has been... Essentially, a, a position that Chelsea have not fixed since the previous regime messed up Thibaut Courtois' contract negotiations. Uh, they lose him for thirty-five million to Real Madrid, and 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 look what kind of player he's been for them since he joined them. They've spent over the odds on on Kepa. He's only got two years left. Edouard Mendy's only got two years left. Mendy, I think, from and what I wrote today, he's very much going to be first out the door and that, that's kind of like a mutual thing as well. I think he knows he needs to leave in order to get first team football. But you you basically got a spine, a key part of the pitch that needs strengthening and, and anyone that's watched Chelsea this season, that won't come as a shock to them. And will they be able to do that hmm. financially? Well, that's where the outs um, are huge, of course. And, and there's been so much talk about, yes, it may be harder to move some of the guys on big wages out. Could they buy Declan Rice for £100 million? They certainly have thought about it, but I think he's going to another London club. <laughs> so that horse may have already bolted, but they're definitely looking at, at some of the names that, that are out there, like like McAllister at Brighton. I think he's very much a, a, a player that, that Pochettino might like. Whether they can go in for Casado, another player that they, they've admired... Of course, another player that, that, that Arsenal like. So they are still ambitious in that regard. But who is going to leave to, to, to raise this kind of money? And there is a lot of concern among the fan base that the easiest players to sell and the ones that count as pure profit on the books, of course, are the academy graduates. And there's quite a few like Conor Gallagher who came very close well, certainly Chelsea were, were, were keen to sort of cash in on him in January. He's the kind of player that, that perhaps might be uh, making way for others to come in, which is very much uh, a bit like what Chelsea used to be like, which is cashing in the academy to fund other players. That's how Lukaku was essentially paid for. Do you have any alarm bells here, Jack, And when talking about players that, that need to come in and recruitment? Bearing in mind, we, we've done a ton of podcasts when it comes to Tottenham and where it all went wrong, going back to a summer of a lack of recruitment which was under Pochettino it's going to be really tough it's going to be really really tough and I don't think and it won't I don't think it will work unless they get the first sort of six to twelve months right in terms of if Pochettino's lumbered with too many players who don't want to be there who don't buy into what he wants to do then I thought he won't create the atmosphere and the energy that he needs it's also tough because 
it's an extremely difficult market to sell in. Like everyone knows that. Like, you know, it's it's patently obvious that in the, the Premier League is the only league with money, and that means that you can't you can't just pick up the phone to teams abroad and get them to buy your players. You either have to sell to other Premier League teams, which they might be reluctant to do for obvious reasons, or you have to take huge losses because there are players there who will be paid more than what the market would pay them if they want to get rid of them for the purposes of you know squad energy then they might have to lose a lot of money or just loan them out forever you know loan them out forever and then come back in a year or two's time like Tottenham have done with Ndombele and less also just endless loans while you try and see if there's any market for a sale anywhere I think it's going to be very, be very very tough and teams will not want to do Chelsea a favour you know Chelsea phone up any other team whether it's in England or abroad and say please will you take these players we don't really want um, even though we massively overpaid for them. I imagine that you would just put the phone down and wait for Chelsea to call you back with a lower offer, wouldn't you? You've got no incentive to do Chelsea a favour. You'd push it. You'd push yeah. it until August the 31st, wouldn't you? you know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think market-wise, it's going to be really tough. Moving on from Pochettino, I just want to do one on, Lamp- on Lampard. Look, he, w- he will have been well remunerated, firstly, so so that's the caveat here. But But money isn't everything, obviously. Do you have sympathy for him, Simon, and the situation that he has found himself in? And I wonder whether at the moment he is a very good example of managers often having to pick good owners. <laughs> and, and I'm not just talking about Chelsea here, but good good owners, stable board, whatever it may be, ought to be more of a priority than the squad you inherit. He was asked in his pre-match press conference, uh, or part of a question when he was asked on, on Friday was, this has been like torture for you. And, and he broke out of his um, he broke out of his very sort of stoic, you know, you know what he can be like in front of a camera. And he, he actually laughed and went, "This isn't torture." Uh, I, I think there's an element of he kind of knows in the grand scheme of things, managing a football club is you know it's not the worst thing in the world. But yeah. but his body language during match days when Chelsea are, are losing again says says something else. I mean, this is a guy that actually. He'll be hurting seeing Chelsea in this situation, and also his own personal pride because he's, he's he's a winner. I do have some sympathy for him, but I think he knew what he was walking into. I mean, when when you take a caretaker job in April and the club's in an absolute state, and you know the squad's essentially broken in terms of morale, and you, you're just there to try and put a plaster on a on a gaping wound, and I don't care who you are, how good you are, I think. Even Pep Guardiola might struggle in this situation. <laughs> the case is what what happens next to me. He, he did say again in, in a recent press conference that he will, without trying to sound too picky, um, he, he he hastens to add, but he he will give more careful thought to what his next job is, and in, in that he's not really had a smooth job when you think about it. Derby, there was financial concerns from the get go. Chelsea, first time around, there was a transfer ban. Then of course Everton in a relegation battle and now he's taken a caretaker job at a club in disarray. In terms of work experience, he's 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 certainly um thrown himself at the deep end. The the problem is, and I think this is what he was alluding to, you can't be that choosy <laughs> in, in management. If a job comes you almost have to take it, especially when you've got a record like his, which just everyone highlighted it isn't the best. But I wouldn't be surprised that he's going to be. I think the owners are quite leaning on his on his insight, and you know who knows down the line whether this this relationship continues. I mean, Chelsea have got ambitions, of course, to have a multi club model. Um, so perhaps Frank Lampard may sort of still be involved at Chelsea, but somewhere else rather than at Stamford Bridge. Let's um, just end with Tottenham here. 
as we've been talking about Pochettino. Was he an ever was he ever an option ever for Tottenham this time round, Jack? No. I don't I don't get the impression that for all, as much as the fans wanted it to happen, I I'm not aware of there being any contact from from Daniel Levy to Pochettino about the job. I don't think he was ever in Daniel Levy's thinking. I don't think he was ever a serious candidate this time around. Um and that means that uh it that means that I think there is more pressure on Daniel Levy to get the next Tottenham appoint, appointment right because whatever it is, some people will say, well Pochettino is right there. You know, Pochettino's been what, he was sacked by PSG about a year ago, or just just less than a year ago. So he's had a year, you know, sitting around at home, and the phone calls never come in. So I do think it adds to the pressure on Levy, because Tottenham fans are very hurt by this. A lot of them are not happy with Pochettino, because of the rivalry between Chelsea and Tottenham, but a lot of them are very unhappy with Daniel Levy for allowing this to happen. Oh, but I get, I mean, I sort of get that towards Pochettino, but at the same time, if you just try and take the love of your club out of it that any of us have for our, for our clubs. As we've said before, Jack, you couldn't sit around waiting all day for a job to come up or for Tottenham to ring. I know, yeah. No, I, I, I quite agree. I don't think it was... I know that Spurs fans are hurt and I can totally understand why. And there aren't that many jobs about at the moment, actually, at that level. No, there, there's not. Like, if you, if you want to work at the top level of football, which he does, then you don't have a totally free choice. You know, there's there's not that many jobs. They don't. They're not all up at the same time. They. It's a matter of timing. And maybe hypothetically, if Real Madrid had been open this year, he, he might well have wanted to go and do that. But it wasn't. I think it's a bit unfair on Pochettino to be too critical when you know he he, he wants to work. He he wants to work, and this was the job that was on offer at this point. Is the pressure doubled because Nagelsmann was available as well, and now they apparently aren't interested? In him as well, so that's t- that's two high-profile out-of-work managers that they've gone, not for us. Yeah, I think I think the Nagelsmann news on, on from Friday also makes it a bit harder. I think lots of if you read Tottenham fans on social media, most fans are not buying the idea that Tottenham decided, you know, forty-eight days, whatever it was, into their managerial search to say, oh, actually. Nagelsmann, no, not for us. And uh, we're not going to give him an interview after all. I think lots of fans just don't buy that as an explanation. Clearly, Nagelsmann was a contender. He was a candidate. He was on the shortlist. Clearly, there will have been contact. Clearly, Tottenham were very interested in him. Or otherwise, he wouldn't have been... He wouldn't have been on the shortlist. There wouldn't have been talks. Now, obviously, in any in any breakup, each party wants to be the each party wants to claim to be the one that pulled the plug. I don't know specifically what transpired between Tottenham and Nagelsmann's camp last week that led to this breakdown in talks. But the idea that to, that Tottenham just decided, you know, independently, unilaterally, and one sidedly to say, oh, actually, we we are going to pull out of this, jilt Nagelsmann at the altar I think not a lot of people will believe that where are they at then where are they at with this managerial search do you think they're going to pull a rabbit out of a hat here well so they're moving towards doing the interviews this month the candidates I think we're looking at Roberto De Zerbi, Arna Slot, Ruben Amarim, Xabi Alonso maybe Ange Postachoglu at Celtic so you know, these are good managers, Rogers. I'd be a bit surprised, but then at this point, you know, I think every, I think it's such. A, it feels like a really open field to me right mm. now. Like it feels like nothing, no, nothing could come up that would be that surprising. 
after you know everything we've seen with Tottenham in the past and the Nuno summer and all that. I don't think Rodgers would be at the top of their thinking ideally, but it could happen. I think all these candidates are good candidates, and I think if Tottenham get one of them, they will have got a good manager for next season who fits what they want. But I think the issue is there's a difference between the outcome and the process. And so even though I think they, it looks at the moment like they probably will end up with a perfectly good outcome... The fact is that lots of fans don't trust the process because they don't trust the people running the process. And fans think, you know, the people running Tottenham have surrendered all benefit of the doubt on this now. Is it a stupid question to ask finally who's more set up, who's set up better to get top four next season? Bearing in mind, neither of them will get top four this season. Jack's Jack's wincing, but he does to most does to most of my questions at some point. So Simon, you can go first. I say probably wincing my answers too. Um... <laughs> Out of the two clubs, it's a very difficult question to answer. But like when we're here at the moment, but I'm just intrigued. Really, despite everything I've seen this season, um, and obviously I'm, I've seen more of Chelsea than Tottenham. There's only one area that that, that Tottenham are stronger, which sounds ridiculous given they're, they're several points higher up in the league, and that's Harry Kane. Because actually, watching Tottenham, the clips I've seen, there's a lot of similarities between the two teams. I think in, in terms of how poor they are. Everything I've seen about Chelsea over the years, all my years covering them, the ambition, etc. I, I would make Chelsea a, a stronger bet going forward because the investment is there. The the, the the big question mark, and always at Tottenham, and Jack's obviously a far better qualified person to talk about Tottenham than me, but. It's, but it's always been about the investment and the ambition and can they actually go and make the signings to take them on to another level. You can question Chelsea's recruitment, but with Pochettino there, I think, to help. Uh, I would, I would I, out of the two clubs, and this is really going to come back to bite me, but out of the two clubs right now, um, <laughs> I would still, and Chelsea previous, of course, where they've bounced back from shocking seasons and, and gone on to have a successful season the following year. So... I would still go with Chelsea despite the complete dross that I've witnessed over the last nine months. Things can change quickly though, can't they, Jack? I mean, we've seen that this season, you know. Flat squads, squads that look disengaged, clubs that are in turmoil can be very quickly turned around by the right man. Yeah, yeah, they can. I think next season's going to be really tough for Chelsea because it's they're going to have to do a big squad overhaul, a big sort of cultural overhaul at the club. I think the players are going to have to get a lot fitter. They're they're probably not going to enjoy it at first. Lots of the training. Um, They're going to have to learn a new style of football um, from scratch. And there's going to, you know, that takes a lot of time. And it's tough when you've also got to play a Premier League game every week. I mean, it might be easier for them not being in Europe because it means more time in the training ground. But I think, you know, teething problems with this kind of thing are inevitable. So I think next season's going to be tough for Chelsea, but they do have a sense... If you have a manager like Pochettino, you have a sense of direction. You know where you're trying to get to. I don't really know how Chelsea will do next season, but I think the season after that, for example, I think they'll be they'll be looking pretty good. With Tottenham, I just don't know, because I don't know what the direction is. I don't know what the... You know, we don't know who the manager... They don't have a manager. They don't have a managing director of football. I don't know what... I don't really know what the strategy is. I'm not sure that... I don't really think there is a strategy or it's, there's not an obvious strategy. And it's it's so completely up in the air, it's very difficult to make predictions. You know, the, they could go and get a good manager who gets everyone playing together and, you know, it's Harry the last season Harry Kane's contract and he's super motivated and everyone pulls together and goes in the right direction. They have a good season and come third. Or it could be much worse than that. Like, so I'm not ducking the question. I mean, I feel no, like I'm no, kind no. of ducking your question. No. What I will say is that I think... 
I think Tot- I think Chelsea's ceiling over the next three years is probably higher than Tottenham's now because they've got a good manager and they've got money. What we don't know is whether or not the owners will be fully behind Pochettino's vision. We'll have to wait and see. With Tottenham, it feels so up in the air that predictions are kind of impossible, sadly. You haven't avoided it at all. I mean, if I'd had to answer that question, I think I would have probably refused it. So thank you both for, uh, thank you both for doing oh. so. Uh, Simon, uh, Jack, thank you. Subscribe to The Athletic now for £1.99 a month for 12 months. Just go to theathletic.com slash football pod. Thanks for listening. The Athletic.